Welcome to a new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me, as always, Awesome Waiter. What's up? And we got a special guest today, the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. What a surprise. We'll get more on that later. Weird, very weird. <laughs> but let's uh, let's get into it. So, going to be a big NBA day today. Nothing really happening in the NFL. We'll get to baseball later. Yeah. Right now, we're in the boring part of the baseball season where nothing's really at stake. Besides the players throwing their clothes yeah. all over the floor, that's about it. Um, but big NBA day today, and we've got two weeks to make up for here. Yeah. Sorry, so, sorry, guys. I, I, I took a trip. I'm sorry. We're trying to get two weeks in one. So we're getting right back to it with, first, a Kemba Walker trade. So this was a deal. We kind of talked about Kemba Walker after the Celtics went out and how he hadn't really been, you know, himself since he got to Boston. And this deal makes a lot of sense for me. If you don't know the deal, it's Kemba Walker, the 16th pick this year. And a 2022nd all headed Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023nd. Yeah. And so to me, this um, assesses a big need that uh, Boston had had last season. And that was they need big depth. Yeah. It was basically all Robert Williams. And Robert Williams was fantastic this season. Um, but when he got hurt, they should have played Taco Fall more. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially after they traded Daniel Tice to yeah. the Chicago Bulls, they had no big men. Uh, so your thoughts on that, really? I mean, well, I'll, I guess I'll tell you on my story. I was riding the Avatar, one of the Avatar rides at Animal Kingdom. I come off it and I get like 30 notifications about this trade. And I'm just like, I get off one ride and all of a sudden everything <laughs> just, just goes down. But uh, I will say, you know, it's it's just clear. Brad Brad Stevens, his first move he makes is getting rid of Kemba. So if that doesn't tell you the kind of situation with Kemba in Boston, I don't I don't know what does there. They it's clearly it didn't work out. It seems like the problem with Boston lately, they just haven't been able to find their franchise point guard. They tried it with Kyrie and didn't work out. They tried it with Kemba, it didn't work out. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Even Terry, Ro- Terry Rogier, honestly, dare I say, was the best out of all of them in Boston. Yeah, maybe. Uh, him and Isaiah Thomas, really, Kyrie and Kimba just were not the same no. in Boston. Yeah, no, they weren't the same. But you're absolutely right. Boston, really, you know, the joke is the NBA is positionless now yeah. and all that. You still need some guys that can get some get some rebounds, yeah. as the Clippers learn, and also to block shots, as the Clippers learned that a little bit in the Suns game a few, and, few nights ago. Yeah, the Celtics really hurting after you know last two seasons not yeah. having Al Horford, so it makes sense to go back and get him. He really worked well with their style of play. I also really like Moses Brown, and Moses, the young man. I, I loved him. He was one of the good few things I thought was interesting about the Thunder this year. Yeah, the Thunder, uh, they looked like they had – you know, a team for the future, but obviously you had to let one of those young big guys go. And Moses Brown's the older of the two by a good couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> so Moses Brown's good, and hopefully he gets a chance to make a big impact in Boston. Oh, so because I like, I think there was one there a game he had like twenty and twenty this. Yeah, this he past was, year he was phenomenal. Yeah, he this was season. he was really good. And he's really young. He's got a lot of potential. He can learn from Al Horford, with who was with him with the Thunder. Yeah. That taught him a lot. And now they can just go to Boston together. So 
it's a smart move if I'm Boston, but I don't know what their plan is at that point guard position now, though. Uh, yeah, I, I know Jason Tatum does a lot of ball handling, so maybe they use Marcus Smart as more of an off guard, and you know Tatum and Brown do most of their ball handling. That would be my thought for at least for now. Maybe so because that it just maybe they need to keep it within because clearly whenever they try to go out and get yeah. one, it's not work. So and not not to. Uh, overlook Peyton Pritchard and Carson Edwards True. as uh, likely options to play that point guard as well. But on next to the lottery, couple nights maybe last I night. I think it was. I think it was two the night Tuesday night. I think okay. it was Tuesday night. I believe, yeah, I so. think so as well. Um, but we had our draft lottery, and the top three end up being Pistons, Rockets, Cavs. And really, uh, you know, we're going to have our whole mock draft episode later, so we won't get too much into that now. But what do you think Detroit's going to do at number one, really? I mean, I would say they should go Cade Cunningham. But if I'm trying to remember, I think a year or two ago, they picked up, they drafted a point guard in the first round. Yeah, they picked one last year. Is uh, it Killian Hayes? Killian Hayes, Killian I think, Hayes. was his name. Yeah, so, I believe so. I mean... And he was good this yeah, past he, season. Yeah, he wasn't terrible. So, I mean logically you know you want to get a you want to kind of have like a combination of a guard and a center so maybe evan, evan mobley. mobley that was i mean thought. i watched him in the NCAA tournament dude is a dude's a beast he can shoot from the perimeter he can beat you down low overall he he's good i think that would make more sense but uh i'm saying they'll probably end up drafting cade cunningham yeah um, and trading away uh Killian Hayes, but I've also heard rumors that Detroit could be interested in trading this pick. So, yeah, I've seen reports that several of these teams, Rockets and Cavs as well, might be looking to trade out of their spots to get either a young all star caliber guy or a veteran that's all star caliber to kind of boost their rebuilds a little bit. That's how Woj was talking yeah, about it. I will say, if I'm Houston, I need Cade Cunningham. Houston, yeah. I think, needs Cade Cunningham more than anybody. No offense to John Wall, he's good. But just think, Cade Cunningham learning from John Wall down there in Houston, the potential there to get your franchise guy. Absolutely. And then the Cavs, I'm sure they'll draft a bust again, probably. But um, I, The Cavs are the team that I really see could use that all-star boost. They had a great start to this yeah, season. they had a lot of starts. Some um, people thought playoff chances. Garland and Sexton are looking very good in the backcourt together, uh, turning out a lot better than I absolutely thought they I be. thought so too. Uh, I thought that there was going to be no way Sexton and Garland worked together. I thought one would have to go. Maybe they do a package with third pick and maybe Kevin Love. Maybe. And yeah. Because, I mean, they've been trying to get rid of Kevin Love like the past three years and they haven't got it done. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I, I do think that there's some interesting stuff that can happen in this draft. It's always more fun when the draft isn't. You've got because, of course, it's fun to see a guy like Zion or LeBron come into the league, but it gives a little more speculation come draft time of who's going to do what. Yeah, it's it's way more interesting. Yeah. It's like with the NFL draft, with any other draft, when there's not a, oh, this guy's definitely going number one overall, it makes it more exciting. So when the first pick happens, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think, yeah. think about him. Like when I think a few years ago, the Chiefs had the number one pick, and they picked an offensive lineman. Nobody saw Eric that Fisher, come. Yeah. Eric Fisher. And then the Cavs, in that one draft, picked Anthony Bennett. I know, dang, well, I did not hear a thing about Anthony Bennett whenever they picked him. No, uh, <laughs> Jay Billis was like, you know, I have him in my top 14 in my lottery, but he's not my number one guy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, hopefully they pick one of those top four guys, you know, that absolutely comes out and they just don't, but, you know, 
honestly, it should be Moses Moody number one overall. It should be the best, most yeah. underrated player in the entire draft. Hey, don't forget Ayo Dosamu. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Just think it'll be Connor Vanover in a few years. So uh, let's get into these uh, these playoff series that we've missed out on. So let's talk Clippers-Jazz. That series went to six. Clippers pulled it out in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, really, what do you think the Jazz are looking to this offseason? What do they need to help them take the next step? Because they took another step this year. They made it to the second round. They were the number one seed in the West. What do they need now? Honestly, you know, there's there's not a lot that they that they can do. I mean, yeah. They have maybe, maybe, and this is just is just a theory of mine. They upgrade that point guard position, maybe, because Mike Conley missed, I think, what, the first four games yeah. of the of that series against the Clippers? Maybe the first five. I think he well, only played six. Yeah, I I, I know maybe. he only played one or two games. So um yeah, I think that upgrading the point guard position might be it. But uh, I mean, I don't know what else. Maybe in the draft you look to get a young forward maybe yeah kind of develop him but, i mean you have mitchell who's your score on offense you got rudy gobert who's your defensive stopper even though the clippers had shot really well against him in that series but you know there i just don't know they maybe just make one move maybe and you can call me crazy for it they make a trade for damian lillard hey that would that would be a logical move uh it makes sense the big thing with Damian Lillard is he to come and play in Utah. It's gonna take that uh, developing that defense. Just about every guy on the floor for them can play defense. Yeah. Boyan Bogdanovich, he has his defense has come a long way since he started to play with Quinn Snyder. Yeah. We know Joe Ingles is a good defender. Donovan Mitchell, when Mike Conley is healthy, is the weakest link on the floor. Yeah. on defense and he's their best offensive exactly. player exactly um so he makes up for what gets put on yeah. him if you know somebody puts numbers on him i'm still amazed the fact that the clippers won this series because i remember we, we obviously Kawhi is he's not officially out for the yeah. year but he's but he's basically well, yeah. basically done i remember texting you i'm like well there go there go our chances yeah. and then all of a sudden we win the next two and i'm just like Wait, well, I'm, I don't understand. So this is the year we make the conference finals whenever our best player gets injured. All, the only way the Clippers could do it. That's that's fair. Um, but I don't think, though the Jazz, really what I think I could agree with you, maybe they don't really need an improvement as much as they just need to work and get back and come back with the Fury next season. I mean, they had the best record in the NBA. Yep. What else is there to, in, to maybe improve on besides just – slightly getting better i mean maybe if they can get like rudy gobert i guess maybe try to get him a little bit more of a shot yeah. outside if you can get him to shoot outside he yeah that might that might complete it but that's a long yeah. way from getting done if that even gets done um I, but i don't think this is a this is a fair reason to start to tear the jazz down no, because they accomplished a lot this season I've heard we've heard a lot of Rudy Gobert slander this season, and I'm here to set the record straight. <laughs> I know you're a big Rudy Gobert guy. I know I got. I've you. seen people like Stephen Jackson, and you know what, Stephen Jackson, you are a phony when it comes to NFL <laughs> takes. I'm gonna say, it. Rudy Gobert is not a real big man. What does that mean? He's the best defensive center, best defensive big man by a long shot. He doesn't have any competition. Yeah. It feels like. I mean, who who even comes close to Rudy Gobert? And and all these 
all these people who were coming at Rudy Gobert are looking for a reason to come at the Jazz because they were better than the Lakers. A lot of these people, including Steven Jackson, are LeBron stands. Yeah, and a lot of these people, like Steven Jackson, are Ben Simmons stands, and they're mad Ben Simmons didn't win the Defensive Player of the Year. He got 30 dropped on his head by (laughs) Trey Young every game of that series. So we can stop talking about Ben Simmons for Depoy. The only game that I will say that I saw Rudy Gobert struggle in was game six. They shot, and it's a stat that I saw repetitively, 12 for 15 from the field the Clippers shot when Rudy Gobert is the primary defender. Now, that's the only yep. time I really saw him like struggle, and that's mostly because the Clippers went small. They went a lot smaller. And-, and, and on top of that, you have to think, you know, not everybody's perfect. You yeah. Know? I mean, if that's the one game in a six-game series, you can say, well, he didn't have a good game. Then that means five other games. He was a, <laughs> I he mean, was game one, he's the, he's the reason they won game he's one the against hero. us. He's the hero. People, people it was a terrible forget. shot by the Clippers, but it was a great defensive play. So, and, yeah. and so I, I don't think this is a way, a fair reason to tear down the Jazz no, because they're improving every single year and they're going to be even better next year. My, my question for you, though, is, <clears throat> so, you know, let's face it. LeBron and them, you know, they can complain about the injuries they want. They'll come back fully healthy next year. Do you think that the Jazz can still be a number one seed when the Lakers are completely healthy and the Warriors have clay back? Do you think that they can get the best record in the NBA again with all those teams coming back fully healthy. I, I think the big thing to point out is that they were the number one team in the league almost the entire season. Pretty much, yeah. The Lakers were healthy this season. Now the Warriors, they could, they have the chance with some lottery I really here. like Golden State. They can make some moves, and they, <clears throat> in my opinion, especially with Clay coming back, could definitely make a move for that one seed. They also got picks seven and 14 in the lottery, and there's also rumors that they'll move one of those, that, if that not they'll move, both. Yeah, they'll move one of those. And I've also heard some ridiculous rumors that they're trying to trade James Wiseman away, which I'm going to hope is, no, the, is no, not true. Because no, no, this, no, 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 no. this is the Warriors. That was like the biggest problem for the Warriors whenever they were like, you know, dominant was, yeah, they're really good, but Andrew Bogut, JaVale McGee's your starting center. Now you potentially get a franchise guy as your center, and you're looking to trade him away? No, yeah. no. The guy that, the guy you, you want you good, is you good Bradley over there. Beal. Bradley Beal. That's who you want. Ooh. You want Bradley Beal. It, the Wizards can't do anything for that man. His best, his best bet is to say this offseason, trade me. And when he's available, the Warriors have the assets that you want. If you're Washington, I didn't even think about Bradley Beal. That would be just just think of that lineup, Steph. Clay, Bradley Beal, Draymond, and James Wiseman. All of them healthy. Ooh. Aaron Paschal off the bench. He looks fantastic. He does. Uh, uh, it, uh, Nico Mannion did not look half bad this year for him yeah. either. It, they've got they, that. That makes that team a lot scarier. So yeah. watch out. <laughs> so I don't necessarily know that they could be a one seed, but I don't think that you can say. Well, the Lakers were injured. That's why they were the one seed. Because the Jazz ruled the Western Conference yeah. the entire season before Davis was hurt, before LeBron was hurt. And again, those injuries are just excuses. They are. They because are. It's not I call, fair. I've called out many Laker fans on it's Twitter for It's not fair to say, oh, we were hurt. Because it. then I can say on the other foot, well, the Jazz weren't hurt this season. They stayed healthy and they took care of themselves. It, that's not their fault. They stayed healthy. Yeah, all I'm going to say is this. I've seen people on Twitter saying the NBA title this year should not count because everyone's injured. 
if anything, this is going to prove who really is the best team in the NBA. Who's got the best depth? Yeah, who's got the best team? Yeah, who's got not not the two best players like LeBron and Anthony Davis. Besides LeBron and AD, Lakers. that team that team's no, not good. No, that team not. is garbage. I'm sorry to call them that, especially Alex Caruso. Free, free my man, Alex. Keep him locked up. He's, <laughs> he robbed the Lakers. <laughs> but yeah, but besides those two, they're nothing. They are not good. I don't care what you think of Andre Drummond. He wasn't that good for him as big of a help. So He hasn't been good since his last year in Detroit. Yeah. So, yeah, this is to me is going to prove who's got the best overall team and who's got all who's got more who can rely on more than just that star player, like the Hawks, like the Bucks, like the Suns, and can't believe I'm saying this, like the Clippers. Even the Clippers. <laughs> Um, now let's get into that Hawks Sixers series, and this was a shocker. We had this one over, and at we, most five. Yeah, we said at most five. Um, and it went seven, and it did not go a pretty seven in our favor. Uh, it went to Atlanta, and I can say that I am impressed with Trey Young. I mean, what what else is what else is there to yeah. say about Trey about Trey Young? But you know, a guy that deserves a lot of credit, Kevin Herder. Herder, game seven. Trey Young, I mean, he did well in games, decent in games, but Trey Young shot horribly in yeah. that game. And he Kevin stepped up big time and made some big shots for it. And, you know, Ben Simmons just decided, you know, forget an open layup. I'll just pass it to my teammate two feet yeah. away from me. Yeah. Um, and so that perfect carryover into the big conversation this series. What's next for the Sixers and especially Ben Simmons? What needs to happen there, in your opinion? He needs to learn to freaking shoot the ball is what needs to happen. I agree. <laughs> I mean, what what else he needs to – it's just like he was playing scared. He was – he looked like me if I was going to play on an NBA court. I'd be, you know, like forget an open layup. I'll just kind of pass it around, scared to shoot. I mean, I don't know where this where this came from. I don't know what made him so scared. You know, I've heard, I've heard he's going to work really hard this summer, but I'm saying Philly, listen – you you can't have him as your point guard and win an NBA title unless he learns to have more than just driving to the basket, dunking, and passing. At least Giannis is improving his shot because that's Absolutely. all Giannis did, but he can at least semi-shoot threes. If Ben makes a three-pointer, Twitter celebrates for a week. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And uh, the, the big thing with me is, I said this two years ago, I didn't say it on the podcast because I wasn't on the podcast then. But Well, there wasn't a podcast. There wasn't even ago. a podcast two years ago, so... But I said, the Sixers need to make a decision. They need to make it fast. If Ben Simmons is not willing to develop a jump shot, then you need to pick, do you want Joel Embiid or do you want Ben Simmons? Because you can't have them both. Mm -mm. If if you have them both, it, it doesn't work. They're both stars. Now, Joel Embiid has developed an outside game, but he's not a guard. True. Um, If you're going to have both of them ben simmons has to be able to shoot but you know i thought you know we we talked about the james harden trade that happened this year there was like the reason the trade didn't happen was the sixers weren't willing to give up ben simmons now i defended that way back in the season when i thought ben simmons would you know continue to get better but now that i look back on it you kept you said no to james harden for a guy that didn't even shoot a wide open layup in game seven james harden and would would have the confidence to take that shot. And something about Giannis, you brought up Giannis and how Giannis is the same way, but he's working on a shot. Giannis wouldn't have turned down a look 
like that. Yeah, he would have he would have dunked that all over. Um, or even if he didn't make it, he would have attempted it. And I think that's really the big thing. It's not even that, oh, this could have been a make, whatever. It's just the unwillingness to try. Yeah. Um, that's that's a way easier shot than the pass. He passed into a terrible situation. It was his teammate was double teamed. There was literally nobody in front of him except for the rim, right in front of him, which would have been an easy dunk, easy two points. Just, it was it was bad. Um, really, it was it was really bad. I mean, I don't know what you can get for him though, because people yeah. now are going to look at him and say. Ben Simmons, we want ben. the man can't yeah. doesn't want to shoot a wide lamp. The only one I've heard a lot about potentially a trade for him is the Spurs. I've heard Greg. There's rumors that Brian Bowen, I think, or one whichever one played for the Spurs, one of the Bowen people. Uh, Brian, I believe. Yeah, he said that he thinks Greg Popovich would love to have Ben Simmons on his team. So that's the only one I've logically heard. But besides that, I mean, if I'm the Pacers or I'm the Clippers, I don't want him. I don't want him on my team. Yeah, I, I've heard it's uh, in jest. I haven't heard any serious discussions about it, but people are trying to get Ben Simmons to Chicago. I don't want Ben Simmons. <laughs> He's like Patrick Williams, but Patrick Williams can score the basketball. <laughs> I, I don't want Ben Simmons on our team. I, I don't know what he brings to our team, really. Um, Maybe they make a deal with Washington. Bradley Beal? You get Bradley Beal with Joel Embiid. That yeah. wouldn't be a bad one. Um, but I, I'm thinking that Philadelphia's got to do something. And also, not only that, he's getting – is he getting, He just signed like a new contract not that long ago. He's getting like yeah. $35 million next year. Yeah, he's, he's – uh, So not only is no one going to want to trade for him, no one's going to want that contract for a player that's not worth it at all right now. Absolutely. Unless he improves dramatically this summer. Yeah. Which I doubt it. I'm sorry, Ben, but I don't. I don't have faith in him because I've said that every summer. I'm like, he's getting better. He's going to get his shot better every Everybody year. Everybody said that. Everybody every said summer. that. And I'm now- a Ben Simmons hater, and I've been saying, no, you don't develop a jump shot overnight. People are like, no, he, he will. He got. He made. To- he made one three. Look at him go. <laughs> you have to get. It's. It's not something that you just do overnight. It's not something you do over one off season. You have to slowly improve. And, you know, if we had been seeing slow improvements, we'd be seeing Ben Simmons attempt more threes. We'd be seeing him make more threes. He doesn't have to be a 40% shooter, but he does have to start making steady improvements, and we haven't even seen that. Again, my point with Giannis, the first, the whole joke was all we can do is run and dunk. Now you see him at least not hesitating on threes. He's at least trying to make them. Ben Simmons... He'll dribble down the court. His defender could be in the paint. He's not shooting a three. He's passing. He's not shooting a three. Like all the memes you see of him, they're well deserved. Uh, let's carry over into the Suns Nuggets now before we get too much into a tangent. We've been uh, ranting a lot here. <laughs> um, Suns sweep Nuggets. Uh, we'll praise the Suns a little bit more in a minute. Here in a minute. But uh, let's talk about the Nuggets. Uh, what do they need? They had the MVP this they, year, they and need, they get they need, they needed Jamal Murray for that Absolutely. Series. That's my thought. Honestly, I mean, I think if Jamal Murray doesn't get hurt, I, I think they're in the conference finals instead of the Suns. That, that's just my, my opinion. I think considering their experience they had last year, coming back from 3-1 twice – and then this next year, I was I was picking them as a really good, like a dark horse to get to the finals. But then Jamal Murray got hurt, and everyone's just like, 
scarred Jokic and we'll be fine. And that's all that Phoenix did. So honestly, yeah. just keep the core, get make sure everyone's healthy by the playoffs next year, and they'll be fine. They'll yeah. be fine. That's what I'm thinking. I, I think, you know, even though Paul Millsap's on a big contract right now, even if you were able to get out of that, what are you going to be able to – you're not going to be able to add anything that replaces him, and his veteran leadership has been valued. And Aaron Gordon, if they team. they got to try to keep him, too. absolutely. But I think if yeah, I agree. If they can keep that team together, get Murray back healthy next year, they're going to be something fierce yeah. to see in the playoffs. Especially next if Bowl Bowl continues to get better too. Ooh, look out! <laughs> um, now let's keep talking about the Suns and head into the Suns Clippers. Suns are up two zero. Game three is actually tonight. Um, it won't be tonight probably for the people listening on the podcast. Now, it'll but, have already happened. But, but game three tonight as of the recording. And so Suns up 2-0 on the Clippers. Uh, what do you think? Are the Clippers going to be able to turn around? CP3 <laughs> is going to be playing game three. Kawhi will not. I mean, do you want... Do you want do you want the honest answer or do you want the entertaining answer? We only answer? want the truth here. We only do the truth. Well, if I'm being honest, the last two series when we fell behind two nothing, I thought we were done though. And then when Kawhi went out, I thought we were done though. So I'm not saying it's officially over yet, but yeah, it's not looking good. Game game two just pretty much sealed it for me. The fact that we the fact we made the conference finals, that's a win in my book with Kawhi not playing. <laughs> Because when it was 2-2, I'm like, 2-2 series, Kawhi's injured, Jazz are getting Mike Conley back. There's no way I thought we would win that in six. The only way I thought was if we somehow got the rest to help us, which they did in game two of the Suns in the Suns series last night. I I remember on Tuesday night watching it, I was just like, wow, we're getting help from the refs. This never, this never happens. And we still blow it because Paul George – for an 85% free throw shooter in his entire career, can't make at least one free throw. Just make one. Pandemic and, P. Yeah, just make one, and the game goes to overtime. Just make one, uh, especially after making a clutch bucket before that. Everyone's like, oh, that's going to shut up the PG Harris now, and then. No, he opened our mouths right back up. But uh, I will say, they. I don't know what we were thinking on that inbound lob. I just remember when I saw it, I'm like, "What? What just happened? Did the ball? I thought the ball when I when I saw it in real time, I thought the ball went directly into the goal, and I was so confused. But then I saw the replay. I'm like, "Oh, great, we lost. Great, we blew it." Um, and I think now is a good time to start giving other people credit. A lot of people said, "Oh, well, it's just Devin Booker. It's just Chris Paul, Cameron Payne. I, I, that man haunted my dreams." And uh, those guys. Uh, shout out to um, uh, Chris Weber again. Uh, Cameron Payne can't let him beat you. Remember, Chris Weber, he's still beating people. Twenty nine <laughs> points uh, Tuesday night. So I'm gonna remind Chris Weber. I know he doesn't listen, but I'm going to remind him every time Cameron Payne has a good game. Just remember, that's the guy you can't let beat you if you're the Lakers. And now he's scoring 29 in the conference finals. Cameron Payne deserves a lot of credit. That was a career night for him. But also, a lot of a guy a lot of people were calling bust coming into this season. Uh, unfairly, might I add. Uh, because he's been phenomenal, in my opinion. And he's been phenomenal these playoffs and he's phenomenal Tuesday night. DeAndre Ayton. I don't understand why people think he's a bust. People are he's like, been he's been playing in Phoenix, and let's be honest, the past two years before this, nobody cared about Phoenix. No one did, and that's what I think honestly might have helped him become as good as he has been because absolutely. no one's paying attention to him. The only time they'll be like, "Wow, Aiton's improving," are Suns fans. So I will say that 
you know, I never thought he was a bust. I'm like, just wait till the Suns get good and you're going to find out how good he really is. So maybe it was worth $100,000 for Sean Miller to give him to go play at Arizona. People, I think people like to jump to conclusions too much. He's in his third season. Exactly. He's in his third career year and he was good his first And this is his first playoffs. Yeah. Uh, it, it bewilders me sometimes how people are quick to judge, especially when a guy's had a great NBA career and a double double last night, twenty point double double last or Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, that that goes to show just how talented he really is. And finally, we'll get into that Bucks Hawks series. Game one wrapped up last night with the Hawks taking the win. What do you think of the Hawks? Do you think they are the real deal? Do they have? championship hopes or is it just all a ruse in this eastern conference finals if i'm being honest not how i can't believe i'm saying this but they're championship contenders which you know if i tell my friend jj who is a hawks fan i told him at the beginning of the year you're crazy if y'all think y'all are even getting close to the finals but i'll give him credit game one last night a lot of players stepped up. You know, Trey Young had 48. Let's not forget, John Collins was incredible last Absolutely. night. Quinn Capella had that clutch rebound to get the shot late. And, you know, a lot of players stepped up for him. And, you know, that Lou Williams trade, he's been helpful for some parts too. So, and you also got to credit Nate McMillan, who took over as an interim coach when they were 14 and 20. And yeah. now they are up one nothing in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think John Collins has played extremely well for a guy who has almost dealt at the deadline this yeah. year, and I think that's going to make Atlanta reconsider. Obviously, he's earned himself a contract extension. I don't know what else he has to do to, um, to prove he, it. He's played fantastic this season, um, and he basically shut up that front office that really was considering just throwing him by the wayside. Pretty much. Um and Clint Capella has been good for a guy the Rockets said, you're done. You're you're out of here. Yeah, and they traded him, and so they could start P.J. Tucker at center. Don't forget about yeah. that. <laughs> Don't forget that was a real thing that happened. <laughs> They're like, we're going to start P.J. Tucker, a guy that's, what, 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, around there at center. Mike D'Antoni actually thought that he could win that championship in this league with no starters above six foot eight. Brilliance. The brilliance that is NBA coaches. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, Milwaukee, I mean, they had control of that game. I think they were up seven with four minutes left. They uh, they just got to close out the game. They, they, they had control. They had momentum at that point. They were up by seven, four minutes left. You got to finish that game at home, too. The big thing that I think Budenholzer needs to work on implementing, he's, he's a very pa- fast-paced style uh, coach. But at the end of the, those games... When you've got control, and this could also be said for Game 7 of the last series, even though they ended up winning, if they had paced themselves and taken time off the clock and had a play that drains the shot clock, drains the game clock, and then gets you a good shot right at the end, you know, they could have put Game 7 away a lot faster yeah, uh, and not had it come down to a Kevin Durant air ball, and they definitely could have put that game away up four in the last 30 seconds of the game or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be about not calling a play where Chris Middleton shoots 10 seconds into the shot clock. When, if you take the whole 24, you leave 10 seconds on the clock. Exactly. Um, so I, I think that it really is going to come down to being able to just drain that clock at the end of, at the end of games, because they definitely 
while I, I give the Hawks a lot of credit because they made a great comeback effort at the end of that game, the Bucks definitely should have won that game. They just didn't play it smart at the end. They they really they really should have won that game. They really should have. And also, you're down. I think they were down three. Whenever coming out of that timeout, Pat Connaughton. Yeah, no. Re- really wide open. I mean, I get that he's wide open, but not only is he behind the three point line, he's like a decent ways behind the three point line. And he's shooting that again. Listen, I'm not saying Giannis has to shoot a three in that situation. Get someone else besides Pat Connaughton. No disrespect to Pat Connaughton, but I don't want him shooting a three with the game on the line in the Eastern uh, Conference Finals. I love Pat Connaughton, Notre Dame alum. He was fantastic in his uh, in his time as the Irish. That's why he was a first round pick in the NBA draft, and he's really proven himself as a solid, versatile wingman for a lot of good NBA teams. He was with Portland for a good while, and he was a part of their teams that went to the playoffs. He was a good uh, role-player piece there, and he's been great here. He trusted in even more minutes now by Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Budenholzer really seems to like him as a part of his core rotation, but as good as a shooter as he was in college and as he is in the NBA, anybody else on the floor, <laughs> I'd rather take that shot. Even um, Brooke Lopez? Brooke Lopez has shot phenomenal that these is last true. three seasons. Very true. Uh, that's honestly, I wish they dropped a play like that for Brooke Lope, Lopez. Because they, I think they wouldn't expect that. Especially. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would leave Lopez. And I, I don't think that Connaughton was necessarily supposed to shoot that shot. When I go back and I look at the film, the play was made to beat that zone that they yeah. were running. And when... Connaughton catches the ball. You've got the guy in the paint coming up, the guy in the corner coming up, and the guy at the top coming up. And P.J. Tucker's wide open in the corner. And P.J. Tucker is one of the best corner three-point shooters. I think he is uh, the best career three-point shooter in the corners active. I think think he has the best three-point percentage in the corners. If not the best one of the Yeah, he's he's like top five or something. Um, So he really makes those corners his home. That's what D'Antoni trusted him to do. In big games uh, back in Houston, they drew up a lot of plays that worked. Harden draws that attention, works it down to the corner, and P.J. Tucker— Except for when they the missed three. 27 threes in Game 7. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think that uh, that maybe the play call was, you know, Connaughton, if nobody comes to get you, pull it. But if you got defenders coming, try and beat that zone with a one more. And maybe Pat Connaughton just didn't realize how much time's on the clock. Maybe. Um, but I think that working it to the corner to PJ Tucker would have been the better shot on that play or really just anything else. That um, was just not yeah. the right shot. I also want to add this. Now, Pat Connaughton goes on and makes that shot and they go on and win the game in like overtime or something. We'd be having an entirely different discussion here. Absolutely. And like I'm saying, even if they make the shot, I'm going to look back and say, why is Pac? Why did Pac? I mean, I'm, it's cool that he made it, but he should not have been shooting that. Still, it's actually a discussion that needs to be had more often between what is a good shot and what is a good make. You know, that's the question I ask myself sometimes when I watch NBA games, like the Clippers Suns game two. We were down by three for like six minutes, like for six minutes stretch in the fourth quarter, and we just kept shooting three after three after three after three, and I'm like. Do we know we can shoot other shots besides threes? So yeah, uh, definitely that could be a del- total discussion. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, there's 
we talk about the Damian Lillard three pointer against the Thunder over Paul George that wins the series. It's not a good iconic. Shot. It's not a good shot. You have an all defensive team member. I believe he was second team that year. One of the best perimeter defenders in the league. You're taking a shot that's at the logo. And look, it's Damian Lillard. He can make those kind of shots, but it's not the best shot. And also, it's a step back. It's not a good shot, but it is a great make. It was a fantastic make, and I think that's what people kind of need to understand. Just because you make it, you're not justified in a good shot. It's just a good make. Way to get it down, but hey, maybe don't do that ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like great shot. But if we get in that situation again, let's get a little bit of a better shot. Now, don't get me wrong. I want, I would want Damian Lillard shooting the ball for me, but yeah. no, not not that far, not that deep, and certainly not on a step back three. I mean, I'm certain Terry Stotts drew up a play that had uh, Damian Lillard shooting a three on that possession. What do you think he was thinking when he saw that? He's just like, he's like, all right, Dame, run. Wait, what? Dame, no. What are you doing? You're what supposed you... to take the screen right there. Take the screen. And he's like, oh, he made it. Who cares? He made it. Who cares? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think that there's a real argument to be made there. But let's break it down right here before we close it out. Who you got winning? Suns Clippers. Okay. Suns up the fan, The fan in me wants to say Clippers in six. But the real list – but the realistic – person in me believes as painful as it is sons and foe <laughs> sons and four sons and i'm sorry uh, chris paul's coming back for game three we are having Kawhi. we're not having Kawhi back for game three i don't know if paul george is going to get over the end of that game to hold a walkle but yeah i don't i'm sorry if it goes if we win a game i'll be surprised but then again I did say that about the Mavericks series and the Jazz series. So who knows? But if I'm being realistic, Suns in four or five games, maybe they decide to go back home and win game five. Gentlemen sweep. Uh, I've got the Suns taking that series. I said a long time ago, I want to see a small market team get in. I said, I think either Utah or Phoenix would go to the finals. Utah was my prediction. They were my champ uh, this year when we made our predictions. But I'm going to go with Phoenix here. I like the Clippers. They've shown a lot of heart this season. But now the Clipper, or the Suns are getting everybody back, and the Suns were winning games before they had everybody back. So Yeah. Uh, I will say this. You know, they're a small market, Phoenixes, but that crowd at that place is that amazing. So much. It is amazing. Like, you know, like we talked about, you know, how like, the best team would make a difference in the bubble. Now you have home court advantage back, and I'm telling you, it matters. I, if I'm a Clippers player, I wouldn't want to play. I don't want to play game five. I would be trying my work my butt off to win that game too. So I know, hey, we only have to come back here maybe one more time. So, yeah, I it's it's an amazing place to play. And I, if I'm being honest, didn't even know the Suns had that many fans before this year. Yeah, uh, a lot of people finally able to come out as Suns fans after they were good. This like year. I have a confession to make, guys. <laughs> I've been hiding it for years. I'm a Suns fan. What? <laughs> uh, all right, and then we get into Bucks Hawks. Who do you think's taking the series? Hawks up one zero. Um, you know what? As much as I want to believe Giannis and them are going to bounce back, I don't see it. I'm picking Hawks in six. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Atlanta is going to seal it in Game Six at home, and it's another offseason where Milwaukee. 
is short of the finals again. And then you got to wonder where Milwaukee goes from there if they don't make it. So, yes, as everyone predicted, in a Phoenix Suns-Atlanta Hawks finals. And a matter of fact, I'll tell you who wins that series. If if the Hawks do win the fi- in the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm picking them to beat the Suns. Wow. Wow. You heard it here first. If they were to meet up in the finals, I- I'm picking the Hawks to win that. I think it would go six or seven games at least, but I'm picking the Hawks. Uh, here I picked Milwaukee, Utah, all those I p- weeks I picked, ago. To be fair, I just want to say how proud I am of my prediction that Clippers-Bucks is still alive in the conference <laughs> finals. The fact that that's alive, I don't care what happens. I'm amazed I went this far, but back to you. Um, All those weeks ago, and this close, this close, just so close to having that come true. But Milwaukee's still in it. Milwaukee hasn't shown me that they're dead yet. They had a rough end of that game, and hopefully they bounce back. So I got Bucks and seven. We got a Phoenix-Milwaukee matchup on our hands in my predictions. So. That would be great, too. That would be another great matchup. Um, so we'll see. But that does it for another episode of the Bull Take Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm signing off. Austin Hill and Austin Waiter, thank you.